Filmmakers make films, but films make filmmakers. From blockbuster premieres to grindhouse theaters, late night cable to the local video store, there is no greater classroom for aspiring filmmakers than cinema itself. Join your host, Eric Skorzynski, as he dives deep into the minds of legendary directors, producers, actors, and more to discover their biggest influences and to explore the impact their films are leaving behind. This is Film School. Grab your popcorn. Class is about to begin. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Film Schooled podcast. Jamie, thank you so much for joining me on today's show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, excited to chat with you a little bit. And I know you originally went to college for music management. So that's not what you're doing now. <laughs> you're doing casting. So so how did you initially decide to go the route of working in the entertainment business initially? Was that something that you dreamed of doing from an early age or was it just life brought you to that that point? No, it was kind of random. Um, you know, I my parents wanted me to go to college, so I did that. But like I feel like when you're 17, 18, like how do you know what you want to do with your life? Right. So I tried to pick like the easiest things. So I got my bachelor's degree in photography because I was like how can you mess that up? Um, like it's gotta be easy. Right. And it, right. it, it wasn't, it was different then because I'm very old. So when I went to school for photography, um, we didn't have any digital cameras. It was all film. So they really just taught us how to, um, how to develop film and they didn't teach us really how to take the photos or I just wasn't paying attention. I, you know, there's a lot of parties. Right. <laughs> college. Like college was great. Um, so I graduated there and then I was like, well, as soon as I graduated, digital cameras came out and I'm like, I don't even understand what that is. Like, I'm not going to do that. So then I had to go back to school um, and I got my master's in music management. And like, I really still didn't know what I wanted to do, but I was dating this guy who wanted to be a rock star, um, of course, you know, because that's what you do. And, <laughs> and I was like, well, if he's like, gets to be a rock star, he's just, gonna, I'm going to have to sit at home. Right. Like, so I'm going to go to college and get a degree in music management. I'll manage his band and like help him be a rock star, um, which totally made sense at the time. And and like, you know, however many thousands of dollars later to get my degree um, at the end, I was like, this isn't really making sense. Um, but we did move out to L.A. together. Um, he didn't. He's not a rock star. I mean, don't tell him that. But he is a chiropractor now. Uh, we're still great friends. Um but yeah, so that's kind of how I got out to LA. And then once I was in LA, I was like, okay, I'm going to manage bands. Like, this is going to be great. And it's like really not the job for me. Like, it's basically telling a bunch of grown men who kind of act like children, like not to do things. Right. Um, and, you know, like I managed a couple little bands and it was, it was just it, like it was so um there it was so hectic for me and like sure. I really like I'm the type of person I need like balance and stability and like need and that doesn't come with working with rock stars or aspiring yeah. rock stars even more yeah, so I mean and don't get me wrong like I love rock stars I love dating them like that's amazing but um working with them is probably a no so I then went into like real estate because I was like that has got to be easy right if you see there's like a trend like what's right. the thing I can do to make money. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, kind of, and real estate's actually very hard. People want all your attention and it's just not for me. So, um, then I met another guy. I don't know if this is a good story. Um, oh, this so is a very good story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Reveals guy, much. And, um, you know. <laughs> and he was like, 
um, you know, he was in the industry and he's like, oh, well, I'm going to be a director and start a production company. You can run the production company. And I'm like, great. Like, I'll totally do that. Like, I had never been bent on a set at that point. So I had no clue how to run a production company. But luckily, I learned very quickly. And at this point, they have Google. So I was able to just like you know, look everything up and and kind of figure it out. And it was really cool. You know, it was actually a really neat opportunity because I was able to learn every aspect of production because I did everything. And then he was like somehow the boss, like he did nothing, which is great. Um, I don't want to say nothing. He he did act as a director, I think. So, I mean, but I did all the other stuff, you know. Um, But yeah, it was, I learned so much. And then when that kind of disbanded, I was like, the best part was the casting. Like, Hmm. that's my spot. Like, it's a nice, like, everyone's nice to the casting director. Like, it's really easy. And like, I mean, it's not easy, but like the, when it's something you like doing, it becomes easy, you know? Um, And so I just, after that, I was like, okay, cool. Like I'll be a casting director. That, that'll be great. But I had really no experience. (laughs) So no one wanted to hire me. So I started working in reality um, casting reality shows, which, um, I'm exceptionally great at. It's not really what I, where I wanted to be, but I was really, really good at it. So I stayed in there for a little while. And and how did you, sorry, how did you get your foot in the door doing that, getting into the reality TV space specifically? Cause that seems like a very, like as blurry as the path to (laughs) traditional casting looks, the world of reality TV is so under wraps in a lot of ways, you know, like, I think people are still like, how did they find this random person here in the middle of America in a trailer to put in a show? Or how did they find this? Like, how did you get into the the production side of that? Yeah. Well, so I'm, I, to be honest, I've just dated a lot of really shitty guys. Like, can I cuss on here? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. It's okay. too late now. We've gone too far. To- <laughs> no, I've you're dated fine. a lot of horrible guys. And so I was always like, you know, looking them up, like, what are you doing today? Like I would, and I would be able to find them, which I think overall really helped me with casting reality because you're just looking. That's who they cast is predominantly. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like it really helped me, you know, dating all these shitty guys. Um, But I just, they like lower level reality show casting directors are pretty like they'll hire anybody. And if you work out, then you work out. And if you don't, you don't. Um, and I worked out, you know, I made my way up the ladder really quickly and, and I had a great time and I really liked it, but, um, I knew I wanted to do scripted. So at the same time, I would go to like the universities and the film schools and be like, Hey, like, can I cast your thing, whatever Mm. you're doing? Um, and since they had like no money and I was just offering to do it, uh, then they would hire me and I I would kind of learn along with them. And, you know, but what helped me there is that then when they started graduating, they started getting like real jobs and then they started hiring me more. So (laughs) then I started just like doing it that way where, you know, I know a lot of people like they intern and they, you know, like work their way up, um, with scripted and it's really hard to get into scripted, but I honestly just didn't have like, I couldn't, I couldn't be an intern. Like I, like I have a house, like I have, you know, like I'm, I'm already like a full grown adult, like, you yeah. know, I think if I had been in school and, and was like, I'm going to be a casting director. I'm going to intern. Like, that's one thing, but like, I can't work for, you know, like I need to make money. And luckily there's a lot of money in reality casting. So I was doing really well with that, but not as happy as I thought I would be right. with um, scripted. And it kind of, you know, 
the table started turning and I was able to do more scripted, which is great because as much as I love reality shows, like some of them, I was like, what am I doing with these people? Like, they, like some people on reality shows are legit, just kind of out there. And I don't necessarily think that we it's, should put them it's, on TV. <laughs> it's not, not the best energy to be around uh, 24 yeah. seven for you sure. Know, it's like you got pregnant when you're 13 does not mean you should have a TV show about it. Right. It's, gives the wrong vibe out there. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I gotta ask you. So like, I mean, you've worked in casting for so many different reality shows and um, I think most notably like big brother. And I mean, there's, there's a lot that you've been involved with. Um, you know, what were some of your biggest like takeaways? Because it, it is something where, you know, when you're going into this, you're trying to find someone who's going to be interesting to, the majority of America. I mean, that's really what you're casting for. Like, what are you looking for in that room? What are you, what are you seeing? Cause it's average Joe people. It's not people who are trying to be, you know, maybe some of them are They're not trying to be a celebrity. What are you looking for? What are the, what are the, the pieces you want to find with somebody? Um, <laughs> I don't know how this is going to come across. Um, I'm kind of looking for people who are easily influenced mm. by things around them producers, other people, whatever it might be. Um, and then also people with really loud opinions, like whatever those opinions might be. Like, you know, if they're a Trump supporter, then I need them to be like 100% Trump supporter. If they're into hunting, then they need to want to kill everything, you know, like right. extra. they just have to be like really opinionated. But then also sometimes if they're easily influenced, um, you know, that can kind of make for good TV. Because you can create drama in situations and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, like I said, it's kind of unfortunate that those are the people that we're putting on TV and not everybody and not every show is the same, just kind of overall, some of the shows that, you know, that I worked on, I, I finished and I was like, wow, like, did I actually do that? Like, that's kind of not great, you know, but then some of them I was really proud of, you know, I, I had a, a great time and, and, you know, the show was really good, you know, like I love, like, I love big brother. I love bachelor, um, bachelor. I like all those, you know, all mm-hmm. those shows. Um, I did. I worked on one called um, Stranded with a Million Dollars. That one was fun. 90s House. That one was fun. Like those were like fun little ones. Um, But then, you know, some of them like, you know, if if you're like 13 and pregnant, I'm not sure if putting you on TV is the best option. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I, I think it's funny because you, you kind of in the beginning alluded to this idea that whatever was the easiest, you were kind of like filtering into it, but then in your actual story, that's not really the case. I think, I think for you, it was alignment with what you actually wanted to do because I, the, the decision to go to a film school and offer free services as an adult to college students is something that only people who are passionate are going to do. Like that's a step. And that's what separates entrepreneurs and non-entrepreneurs and people that are successful and not successful. Um, what was it about scripted uh, programming that got you so excited that you'd be willing to do that? Was it something that developed as you were in Hollywood and getting around it? Or was it something where you were passionate about like scripted filmmaking and television? And that was finally, you saw a door, a small door cracked open. I'm going to plow through it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like you said, like I, I always go for like the easiest things, but it's not necessarily that it's like, I've never really had a lot of direction because I've always wanted to like do everything and Mm -hmm. nothing and try it all. And, you know, 
Um, You're preaching to the choir, just so you know. <laughs> you don't have to tiptoe around it. I, I yeah, 100% you know, get it. Yeah. Like, I've always just, I keep trying all these things and like it either works out or it doesn't. You know, my, like my parents, they always tell me that every time I call, it's always like, but mom, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like I moved to Honduras once because it was mm-hmm. a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'm always like taking all these opportunities and stuff. And I think with, with film and with scripted, um, I just like, it just felt right. Like I was right. like, I wanted to to have this creation, like something out there. And it was there with reality, but again, like not anything that I could be like super proud of. And I didn't have, you know, in the reality shows when you're casting, there's also 45 other people casting the same show. So you know, you don't get that kind of like recognition, that value for what you're doing as much. And so I was really looking more for that, to be honest, like I wanted, you know, my name like out there, like on it, you know, like, as, yeah. you know, narcissistic as that is or whatever. Um, I don't know if it's that I just wanted to be I wanted to have something be like, oh, look, I, I cast. I did that. Yeah. And I did that. You know, that's that's what I worked on. And well, I'm proud of it, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I think. I think there's just a shift because I think we vilified trying different things, <laughs> you know, like if you look at, you mentioned like people don't know at 18 what they want to do. And I think about this all the time. Like I knew around, you know, I, I knew from the time I was a little kid, like I wanted to pick up a camera and tell stories. Like I knew in some way or another, that's what I wanted to do. And, but like culturally, when you're in school, you go through seventh grade, eighth grade, you're like, I don't want to be a math teacher. I want to be a filmmaker, but the system says, keep trying to, you you need to pick one thing you're going to do. You're going to be taught how to do broadly everything for the next, you know, 12 years. And then we're going to send you off to college. You're going to pick that one thing and you're going to do that for 40 years and then retire. And that's your life. And Yeah, that scares the shit out of me. Yeah, no, yeah, because what if you missed that once in a lifetime opportunity? Like, what if you missed the chance to go live in Honduras for a year? What if you missed the chance to to work on this project or to be a part of this film? Like the the and that's what I think separates I think people like you is like there is that what if like what if this is the thing that's gonna be that that fulfilling project that's gonna take me you know, where I want to go. And I, I think that's really cool. I think, I think that's where, you know, there are some, I think who would listen and go, well, why not just pick one lane and stay in it? But you yeah. get so much more experience than the average person because you're going one thing to another. Well, and when I grew up, like, like really, when I grew up, I was like, well, I'm probably not going to work. I'm just like going to get married and have a child or babies or whatever. Like I grew up in the Midwest in a very small town and a lot of people, that's what they did. Um, but, you know, as I got older, I was like, I don't know if that's what I want to do. Like just <laughs> right. stay in the house all day with some kids. Like fuck You could have got a reality show, maybe yeah. if you had enough. <laughs> yeah, you never know. No. So, you know, like I, I really just had no idea. I still don't know. I mean, I, I just started a podcast. Like, I mean, who knows what I'll do next year? I'd, I'd love to. I mean, I have no idea. You know, no. I'd, I'd love to produce. I'd love to do some documentaries. I'd love, you know, whatever the sky's the limit. I want to do it all, you know? Yeah. I, I definitely want to talk about your podcast, but before we do that, I do want to talk about uh, scripted um, casting, because I think there are a lot of people listening to the show who are going to be interested. They're the aspiring actor. They're sitting right now going, how do I do this? You know, how do I put my name on something? And I, I kind of want to get a little bit practical because I think casting is something that, you know, 
uh, everybody's scared of. Uh, I, th- I think, you know, it's like, I don't want to go into a room. I don't want to mess up. What are they looking at? What am, what am, what am I doing wrong? Uh, as a casting director, when someone comes in to audition for, a, a you know, or, or I guess not come in if they're sending something in now uh, with the state of things, uh, what is it that you're looking for? You know, what is it that you're you're trying to identify with somebody? And, and I, I guess either ease the nerves of people who are trying to submit something or at least give them a few steps that they can think about next time they're preparing for an audition. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard because we're just looking for like that thing, but like, I don't know what that thing is. And that thing is different for every project yeah, and every um, role. Right. I mean, yeah, every, every single character, role every in a role, every character, every person. So like, and there, I have people that I, absolutely like I just think that they are the best actors and I bring them in for everything I can and they just they don't get picked like it's just what it is um but they will eventually I mean it I think it's just you know you just have to keep doing it and keep doing it and it's like you just keep throwing it against the wall and trying to do your best each time and eventually it'll work out like that's kind of how I how I feel about acting um and I'm not an actor I've never been an actor I cannot act at all um but I do think like, you know, it sometimes it makes me sad. Like I see these people and they're they're really trying so hard and man, they're submitting for everything and you know, they're just it's not working out. And then like I always want to be like, just don't give up. Like just keep if this is what you want, then like keep trying it. Yeah. Um, because like eventually it'll work out. Like eventually you will be the one that has a thing and that's it. Um, but then on the flip side of that, you know, I think that actors like, you know, the, those people that have that like passion, that burning thing that they have to be an actor. Um, I think it's all about creating. And if you aren't finding your role, then go create it, go write something, make it happen, create it. Um, especially, you know, with the technology that we have right now and this day and age, like you can make something on zero budget, you know, call your friends, like whatever it is. Um, and I think that, that actually, that touches on another thing, you know, in the acting community, I think it's really important to go out and make friends and, you know, to get to know everybody else around you and, you know, to go to those classes, to go to those workshops and yes, to, to practice and get better, but really to meet people because it's Hollywood is relationships. It's, it's all in who, you know, and there's been so many times where, you know, I'm casting something and, um, you know, I'll, I'll definitely, I'll always act, ask my actor friends, like, Hey, like, do you know someone that would fit this role? Like you just read the script. You're, you know, you're the lead. Do you have a friend? Mm-hmm. And half the time they'll introduce me to somebody that I never would have met and they get the job, you know, because yeah. it's all relationships. Yeah. I, I think that too is so important because I think many people, and this applies to business. I was telling you before, like I co-host a business podcast as well. So I'm always thinking like across all these different streams, but like the most successful people I know are the most collaborative people that I know. And like, it is, I think a lot of people, especially Hollywood, I mean, you hear about the the cutthroat, not even just Hollywood, I think filmmaking in general, a lot of people are super cutthroat solopreneur style. Like I've got my camera and I've got my two people I do stuff with. And like, I'm threatened by every you know possible thing that competes with what I'm doing. And, you know, again, the most successful people I see, even the people I interview who have fantastic careers have like family, like they've got like everybody that's on their crew is treated with love and respect. And if somebody else's thing 
does well, they're happy for them. And if something else goes bad, like they're going to be there to pat them on the back and encourage them to do something else. Like it's a totally different mindset than I think what that competitive streak that can come up sometimes. Yeah. And and I don't really get, I mean, sure, like everyone can be competitive, but with acting, I mean, you're not really competing against anyone but yourself. Yeah. Like there's not it's, you know, you're either going to get chosen for you or not. It's not going to be like, well, this person has just better looking. So we're just going right. to, right. that's not really how acting works, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm curious for the element now, because now people are sending in more tapes than ever uh, tapes. They're saying no one's sending in tapes. People are sending in more, you know, videos of their, of their performances for auditions with COVID. Like there's, you know, you're probably watching 99% of what you're seeing is a video that's been pre-recorded. Um, I'm kind of curious for actors that are sending those out because that's something that I'm not an actor either. I don't know if I can act. I'm not going to try anytime soon. It's, uh, it's really not, hard. <laughs> uh, not, not interested in it at all for me. Um, but it is something that like the idea of sending in an audition tape stresses me out because all I'm thinking is production value and like, how do I make it look good? And am I lit? Well, uh, how important are all those elements for, you know, self tapes and things like, is it, should they be focused solely on performance or should they be focused on trying to make it look, you know, as great as they possibly can once in and like, what's the, how much does that production value kind of affect? Um, that's interesting. It's an interesting question because um, that's kind of different on each project. For me, I can easily look past the production value. I don't, I don't really care if you're in, I mean, I need to be able to see, I need well lit. I need yeah. to be well lit. Like that's. Can't be in silhouette in a corner yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Um, I need to be able to see and hear you. Um, but as far as like other aspects of production for me, like I don't need, I don't, I don't think people should be spending all this money on their self tapes and stuff. Like what a waste that is. You know, I can yeah. see what you look like. I can see it. If, if you're believable and you're acting and I get it, like, cool. Um, the flip side of that is, you know, depending on the project, you know, maybe people that are a little bit newer in the industry, they will have it like the producers and stuff. They will have a tendency to gravitate towards better quality self saves. But maybe the actor, I'm like, what are you like? Really? That's the one you you like? Like, why? Tell me why. You know. And so a lot of times we'll try and get down to the bottom of it, and I'm like, it is very well produced. It's gorgeous background. It's great lighting. But do you believe that they're this character, or are you just mm. looking at it? You know. So. I think that if you can make it well produced, that's great. Um, but I don't think that people should be going out and like spending a ton of money on that. And, you know, like let your acting shine through because it will. And right. that's kind of the most important part. But also with this day and age, like it's really not expensive to get a ring light and a backdrop, you know? Like, right, right. You know. Well, that's what but, I always tell people is like my setup is my MacBook and I have a window in front of me and like, that's my lighting setup, you know, and, and it looks better than, you know, the cameras I was using in high school, trying to make stuff, you know, that were way more expensive. So it's, it's, yeah, there's a lot of great opportunity there. And that's something like, I just always think about it. Whenever I see somebody mention a self tape on like Twitter or something, I'm just like, uh, I would be so sick to my stomach over, not only do I have to perform, but I also have to worry about lighting and my focus and all of those. But you can tell that's where I come from is the video side. Like I'm coming from, yeah. is everything would focus and look good. Um, I, I, I want to pivot into podcasting because it's, it, it's all storytelling, right? At the end of the day, 
you know, I never thought I would enjoy podcasting. It was like I said about acting a few minutes ago. So hopefully this isn't prophetic, but with, uh, with podcasting, I always was like, why would I do that? Like, I like visual. I want to show what I'm talking about. And, you know, creatively podcasting has been incredibly fulfilling for me and uh, incredibly successful. It's one of the most successful things that I've ever done has been podcasting. Um, You know, tell me a little bit about how you ended up in the world of podcasting. And uh, I, I relate to your story a lot about finding a niche and, and exploding in it. Yeah. So I met my business partner. We were, um, he was producing a a lifetime movie and he hired me to cast it and we hit it off really well. We get along really well. Um, I don't, we started talking about murders and, you know, as you do, it goes a long way. (laughs) Um, so we, you know, we had meetings and hung out and we decided that we should start a production company together um, cause I did want to start producing, or I do want to start producing, you know, doing things. Um, although it was right before COVID that we decided all that. So then, um, I called him one day and I was like, cause I love podcasts. I listen to every true crime podcast <laughs> and I called him. I'm like, I want to do a podcast so bad, but like, everyone's already doing all the cool murder podcasts. Like there's none left for me. Like right. my life's like, I'm very dramatic. Yeah. Um, and my business partner, Jake, he is, he's very logical and like calm. And I'm like, woo, like everything is, you know, super dramatic for me. Um, so he was like, well, Jamie, you know, no one's doing a podcast about stalking and it's such a big crime. Like you could do that. And I'm like, I don't know anything about stalking. That's stupid. I'm hanging up on you, you know? Uh, and then what always happens is I start thinking about what he said and I'm like, shit, he's so right. Sucks, you know? Um, and I started researching stalking and I was like, okay, like this is a major thing and no one's talking about it. Like, why don't I know anything about this giant crime that's out there that affects millions of people? I mean, that's so weird, right? Um, so the more research I did, the more I was like, it, it became more than just doing a podcast. It was like, we actually have the potential to help people to save lives, to change the laws. I mean, the laws are not equipped to handle stalkers, cyber stalking, even in-person stalking, like anything. It's insane. Um, so yeah, so we just we put it together and went out there and started a podcast. And you know, luckily it it took off and it went, it did really well. But um beyond that, like we have this community of people that. I mean, no one wants to be in the community because it's how people have been. Yeah. Um, but you know, we're such a, it's such a tight family now we've done a um, hundred episodes and, and we do one a week. And I mean, it's, it's insane how close people get and how they, how much they help each other out because a lot of times they don't have, you know, they're very isolated. It's a very isolating crime and, and, you know, they don't have other people to talk to. And it's, it's just kind of a neat, a neat, horrible thing. <laughs> you right. Know? Right. Yeah, it, it is really crazy. Like in my my show, I mentioned before we hit record, like I, I deal with survivors of clergy abuse, you know, within a very small denomination of, of people. And it was the same thing. It was like, you know, I hope I'll get a couple of people to tune in that might like it. And, you know, at the end of the year, you're like, oh, we're at like half a million downloads. Like what's going on, you know? And, and it just keeps growing and growing. And each month I'll be like, okay, well, it's not going to get more downloads next month than this month. <laughs> and it's like, Okay. So, um, but it is this really cool um, thing. We talked about, you know, collaborating with other people and building relationships. Like it is 
powerful to see something that a lot of people experience. Stalking is experienced by a lot of people. I don't know the stat. I'm sure you probably know rough numbers. It's it's a widespread problem. Uh, Abuse is a widespread problem. And giving voice to that is a powerful thing as a creator because you do draw all these people out of the woodwork you never would have expected who are now empowered to share their story. And it's, it's just really special. It's, it's a really cool thing to get to do. And, you know, who would have thought, <laughs> who would have thought that you could have a, a nat- you know, nationally syndicated radio show essentially, you know, recorded yeah. in your house. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I, I never, I never saw that coming <laughs> like, at right. all. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It, it, um, you know, working, working on the show and like, and growing that, cause I'm sure there's also a lot of podcasters listening. Um, and obviously niches play such a big role because I think finding something that isn't being talked about that needs to be talked about is, is huge. But as far as getting the show to grow to the point it's at now, um, what are some of the steps that you've taken with you and your partner to kind of get the word out, grow the show, you know, increase the visibility of it? Um, because, there's a lot of people sitting there with a, you know, a hundred downloads a month going, what, what the heck, what am I doing wrong? What do I need to be, be focused on? Yeah. You know, that's interesting because, um, I really didn't know anything about making a podcast at all. Um, luckily we teamed up with cast media and they helped us out. Um, but then I started, once I started learning about the community of podcasting, I guess like, how do I explain it? Like, there's a, there's a number of people that just love podcasts, listen to podcasts. Um, and they might not necessarily be like the people that follow you on Instagram or the people that, you know, would watch your movie. They're podcast people. So how do you find podcast people? Like, sure. You can put it on your Instagram and like five out of a hundred of your friends will be like, okay, if I don't listen to it, download it. I, I guarantee you, like maybe three of my friends listen to my podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not because they don't, it's just, you know, it's not their thing. They don't like podcasts. Right. So then I started reaching out within the podcast community and everyone wants to work together and collaborate and mm-hmm. everyone's really cool. So, you know, they started being a guest on other podcasts, um, you know, sharing um, promo, uh, audio, little promo things. Like, so we play theirs and they play ours, you know, because um, really you're not really competing. It's, it's more like, you know, if, if there's a hundred people overall that listen to podcasts, you want all the hundred people, right? Um, so like your friend over here might have 30 people and you have 30 people and then someone else has 35 people. So if you're all sharing each other's things then you're going to get all the people, but everyone can get all the people. Mm. So it's not, like there's, there's so little, I mean, I'm sure there's competition, but I didn't really see it like that. Yeah. So I started reaching out to all my favorite podcasts, which is a lot of podcasts because I listen to a lot of them. Um, and, you know, asking if we can do, you know, promo swaps and stuff. And it, it really worked. And that's really how we, we grew. And, you know, like, I know, like with cast, like we like to stick with a similar, um, a similar amount of, you know, a, a similar type of podcast and stuff. But, um, but we also expanded that because we're like, you know, maybe, I, I guess, because everybody can be stalked, anyone can be stalked. So, somebody that likes to listen to podcasts about dogs, like Mm -hmm. you might be stalked too. So we kind of expanded that. And I think that really helped us. Yeah. No, I, again, I I think you're right on the money and obviously, I mean, the show's super successful. So, but I, I think that's another thing I see is like, I distance myself from podcasters that are so hung up on their own 
thing. They're like, I'm, I'm the best, you know, I've gotten to this level. And because it really is, I think the way you're describing that mindset shift about gaining audience is so important because, um, you know, for me, I'll do just about any show, as long as it's not sketchy in its own right, or, you know, or if they're just like so poorly produced to where it's like, it would, it just isn't good, you know, but for the most part, like, I don't, I don't sit there and go like, what's your download numbers, you know, or what's this like, because for me, if they have 10 listeners to their show and I can get three or four of those that are going to listen for the next three years, like I'll take an hour of my time to do that because, you know, all of, they're going to love it. They're going to tell somebody my show is going to keep growing due to that. And like, you know, I find myself in a position, I'm sure you do as well, where you're going on a show where you're like, I know that my show is the bigger show, but the value and like how niche their audience is, is going to make it a perfect fit for my show more than getting on a show with a million downloads a year or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's also like, I mean, like you said, like each, especially for us, like, I feel like each listener, so many of our listeners have been stalked. So Mm -hmm. each listener, like maybe they're the next one to tell a story on our show, or maybe- They're, maybe their dad or their mom or somebody's being stalked in their family and and they're literally going to go help that person because of what they heard in our podcast. Like that means a lot more to mm-hmm. me than like that one listener that could help somebody means so much more to me than 20,000 listeners that are just like, oh yeah, whatever, you know, yeah. like that's yeah, just bland fans. Yeah. yeah, right. Exactly. Like, so, so yeah, I mean, each person, like each one of our listeners is like important. You know, and they'll tell other people. So it's not like, you know, we're still getting more listeners, sure. Um, But it really turned into something different after a while, which I'm sure that, you know, you're helping people as well. Like, so you kind of, you understand that, like helping victims of Mm -hmm. crime and it it just changes, it changes you. Yeah. I'm kind of curious before we, before we wrap up with our random round, I'm kind of curious if you've thought about taking the podcast into any kind of, you know, either scripted or unscripted kind of television direction. If you can't say anything about that and you are, you're like, I can't say anything about it, but it's there. Just, uh, just nod your head. But uh, we, um, we recently, my business partner, I recently did um, a show on lifetime um, where we were kind of like the experts of, of uh, stalking, I guess <laughs> like we gave, we gave our, our thoughts, you know, um, and there were um, people that had already been on our podcast mm. brought to lifetime um, and then we are also looking at some scripted, like a scripted um, made for TV type movie off some of the episodes. So yeah, we're definitely looking into that and things are are moving forward with that. Um, you know, it, now that COVID's getting better, like we're being able to film again, yeah. we're more full force. Um, and then another thing, you know, that we're, that we'd really like to start doing is, um, you know, traveling to like different universities and stuff and giving talks on mm. how to stay and because it's not just I mean we are stalking like we talk about stalking but right. there's a lot of other things you know that go into that like domestic violence and you know like date rape and you know like all all the other aspects of of being a victim kind of yeah. goes to that so it's more like self-awareness and self-defense and things like that so we we're looking forward to doing something like that in the near future too gotcha Gotcha. Well, um, I am really excited that we had this conversation. I'm going to move us into our last section. I'm going to ask you a couple quick questions uh, with some quick answers. So uh, first and foremost, I, I want to know a little bit about your biggest inspirations. Uh, so you mentioned uh, Cameron Crowe, Cameron Diaz, Meghan Markle. Uh, 
I was trying to figure out the common denominator, what it was about them that, uh, that inspired you. Uh, what it is about those three individuals in particular that really impact you? Um, yeah, I don't think there is a lot of common denominator there between those people. Um, Cameron Curl wrote, or you know, the almost famous thing is like almost famous is my favorite movie. <laughs> Goes back to the whole wanting to Rock, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love that movie. I think it's just one of the best movies out there. Um, and I just think it's it's brilliant. Like everything with <laughs> it's brilliant. It's my favorite movie. Um, I mean, I have other favorite movies, but that's that's definitely up there. I love that Cameron Diaz left acting. Hmm. Um, I think she's an amazing actress. I think she's a cool person, I'm sure. Um, but I, I love that she just was able to, like she she got what she wanted from it and then left, you hmm. know? And she's doing what she wants to do. She could easily go back to acting and she's a, like, you know, she'll get everything yeah. that she wants. Right. Um, but instead she's really living how she wants to live. And I just think that says so much about her um, as a person. And well, how grounded you have to be to be able to yeah, do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and she's, I mean, she's completely out of the spotlight. She's, she doesn't, I mean, some people that quit acting, they're still going to all the, you know, all the red carpet events, and which is great. Like do what you want to do. This thing is like, that's, she did that. And that was really cool. Um, and Matt, Megan Merkel married a prince. Like, what the fuck, you know? <laughs> there, there you go. Um, also, she's doing so much good. Like, I really yeah. like her her values and, and what she's doing in the world quietly, too. It's not like she's, you know, like, oh, today I'm going to go give money to these people and help them. You know, she's not really doing that. Um, although the media tries to, you know, follow them around and do everything. But I, I think that, you know, just her, her values and her core seems awesome to me. I don't know her, but yeah, that's it. <laughs> Um, what is a, uh, what's a movie that, uh, people would be surprised that you enjoy. So almost famous isn't a surprise. Is there any movie that, uh, that you'd be like, people would be like shocked. Like you like that movie. I, you know what? I think, um, I think like my favorite movies are all really different. Like I almost famous, the lost boys, um, Greece and dancing. Like those are all my favorite movies. Yeah. So like they don't really necessarily all go together. <laughs> yeah. Those are like my favorite movies. Yeah. Dirty Dancing's top five for me for oh, sure. Okay. Lost Boys is amazing. I saw that for the first time last year, which I'm a diehard horror fan, and I've never seen Lost Boys and uh knocked it off I, my list, which is when great. I was like, when I was like 13 or maybe a little bit younger, I had it on VHS tapes. Old I am. And I used to every day after um, after school, I would come home and I would re- rewind it to the part where um, Corey Haim is in the bathtub with his dog. <laughs> his dog killed. It was that was like my favorite little spot because you know I was thirteen, I was coming of age, I'm sure, and um, I had the biggest crush in the world on Corey Haim, and he was in the bathtub just singing, and I would just rewind it. I would eat like cereal after school and like watch that. And, like, oh my god, it's Corey Haim in a bathtub. See, I would have thought with your affinity for musicians that you would be watching the sax scene on repeat and, uh, you know, catching up to that. But (laughs) um, what is the best decade? You may have given this away in your last answer. What do you think is the best decade of film history? Um, Man, I mean, the 80s and 90s were great. Just by far. Like, I mean, I think those are where most of my movies are at, you know, Um, and then, I mean, almost famous takes place <laughs> back then in like the seventies. So yeah, I mean, 
it just changes. Everything's different. I think the writing for me, like the writing and the actual like feel of the movies were so great back then. But then sometimes I watch a movie from like 70s or 80s, 90s, and I'm like, oh, technology has come a long way. Like it's almost <laughs> This doesn't hold up the way I thought. Yeah. 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 Um, what is the best piece of advice you would give to any aspiring filmmaker who's listening to this? Um, I just don't give up. Like if you want it, do it, you know, that's it. Like, I feel like people don't give themselves enough credit sometimes. Like I, I, the human mind is so complex and so amazing. Um, and I'm not necessarily like one of those, like envision it and it shows up like, no, like you have to work really, really hard, um, to get things. So like envision it and then like work really hard for it. Like, (laughs) Right, exactly. Like, on your vision board, sure, but it doesn't just show up when you do that. Otherwise, I would have, you know. Yeah, you can't put it on the board and go to sleep. I would have married the prince already. Hey, you could say it could still happen. <laughs> put it on the board. Um, if you were given the green light to remake any film, uh, what would you choose and why? Oh my gosh! I mean, could I remake I'm Less Famous and I'll be Kate Hudson? sure (laughs) I pick a fun band no um I don't know they've remade so many um I mean I would go with like something like Jaws or Gremlins which they probably already remade um yeah you know something where maybe like the CGI like it could look better now but I hate I hate when they make movies I really do so so none Put a nail in the coffin. It's done. Yeah, Once it's made, I mean, it's done. It's done. It's done. Like you know, I mean, usually like the you know the sequel is never that good. You know, just the remakes aren't. They're not great. Right. Um, where is the best place for people to connect with you who want to kind of follow your experiences and journey and all of the ridiculous amounts of travel that you do? Uh, where's the best place to connect with you online? Um, yeah. No. Uh, Instagram is great. Um, my Instagram is at feathergirl77. Um, and yes, that's the year I was born. Uh, and it's, you know, that is definitely just my, my life. There's a lot of vacation photos because I travel a lot because I can. Um, yeah. I, I like to. I love, I love traveling. Yeah. Same. I do. I love it. So, um, so yeah, like that's kind of uh, a great place to get to know me, I think. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me on today's show and for sharing so many insights, talking podcasting and filmmaking, which are two things I love talking about. So thank you very much. And definitely for anybody listening, be sure to connect with Jamie over in the link in the show notes, but I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the film school podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, don't forget to leave a five-star review and hit subscribe. So you won't miss a single episode.